0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to an emergency bonus episode of The Blast Zone. Welcome. I am John Drake, in-house film critic
1: of my Letterboxd account. And I'm Ian Dukes. I'm a person with thoughts and feelings, and some of them are about movies. Movies like The Snyder Cut, exactly like The Snyder Cut.
0: <laughs> So as promised, we just released our Justice League episode this past Wednesday that was covering the original theatrical 2017 version of the movie, and we somehow found four hours over the last few days to watch the Snyder Cut, and we are going to give you guys a little little rundown on it, our thoughts on it, yeah. and kind of what we think.
1: Yeah, this movie, it was long. I, I managed to get through it. By the time I finished watching it, uh, the good news is... I was eligible for the COVID vaccine. Hey! I'm 85 years old now.
0: <laughs> See, there's a silver lining here. Or should I say like a, a dark blue lining because everything in this movie is
1: shot through like a very dark blue filter. A dim, a dim sort of light through the clouds. That's right. That's right. It was a dark film. It was dark in tone. It was dark in... Uh, actual picture quality i kept trying even though i like i knew this i kept reaching i can't tell you how many times i reached for the brightness control on my computer or my phone as i jumped back and forth watching this thing and it was always all, already cranked
0: all the way up yeah not to mention me trying to hit like the aspect ratio button on my tv remote <laughs> to change this back to widescreen which with no no dice
1: yeah that was a weird choice i mean i get it it's an it's a imax thing right that that's
0: yeah the screen the screens and imax i guess are in that ratio i've seen a few movies in IMAX, but usually the movies you see in IMAX that are like these big blockbusters aren't totally filmed with IMAX cameras. Right. Uh, I distinctly remember watching The Dark Knight and there would be scenes filmed with IMAX cameras that would be in 4-3 ratio. And then the rest of the movie would be in like typical whatever 16 by 9.
1: Oh, it would like letterbox on the screen?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like there'd be the big Joker bank robbery scene with like pop up and it would take up the whole screen and then it would go to the next scene and it would be in the widescreen again. So, but no, he, I guess he filmed this all,
1: oh. expecting the whole movie to be in that. It's It was strange. I guess I got used to that. I don't know. I watch on cheap devices. I am not uh, a video file where I, I have a big fancy TV. I put my phone on the counter while I'm eating a salad, and like that's how a lot of my movies get consumed. So my my standards aren't that high.
0: Oh, don't tell Chris Nolan no. you're watching his movies on a phone on the kitchen counter. He will <laughs> he'll murder me. Fly to your house and personally kick you in the dick. Got
1: to wear a Chris Nolan cup just for safety.
0: <laughs> See, I, I do have like the big seventy inch TV with the sound bar oh, in my little nice. basement man cave. So um, it didn't it wasn't too jarring. You you did get used to it, but I'd still say. Overall, I, I put that in the negative category of things about this movie. Didn't love the aspect ratio. Just it was distracting. You know, it took me out of the moment because I was like, why am I still looking at these black bars on the side of the screen?
1: I was going to have the AV department wheel in an old uh, TV on a stand just so I could watch it in its native format. The old
0: tube TV on the on the cart. Yeah. Our younger yeah. listeners may not uh, get that reference, but it used to be the best day in school when they would bring in the tube TV <laughs> on the cart and you'd know you were just going to watch a video for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. That was the
1: best. Man, good times. So, we've already kind of s-
0: t- talked about it, but let's let's get into some of the just main formatting differences between the two movies. What did you think were some of the things that stood out to you besides just kind of dimming it down, changing the color filters and the aspect ratio? What else did you kind of notice?
1: Well, it had that it had that thing where it was divided up into parts and they actually put the the little part markers on the progress bar in the in the streaming app which is an interesting choice like is anyone really going back like it's one thing to have them in the film to sort of uh, help guide you and sort of set set your mile posts there but yeah there was a lot of parts to this movie i thought i was building an ikea dresser
0: did you also feel that like we were in we were into like the fourth part with still half the movie to go did they not seem like equally spaced out to you i didn't actually time them to see how
1: long each part was but they look sort of normal they don't look bunched up on the timeline, but they do feel bunched up. Maybe that was uh, something we put in the plus column for this movie because it actually felt like it made the movie go faster when the screen went black and you went, oh, I made it through another section. I must be really making progress.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I I, I felt maybe that's more of a testament about how the movie felt to me is that the beginning was a little more propulsive, in my opinion, and I felt like the end dragged because I just felt like that last chapter was like half the movie but that's probably more just my biases from watching the movie and kind of how it moved in my mind
1: yeah i probably felt the same thing i was ready for it to be done at about the third hour
0: yeah but then we get you know some some cool stuff at the end there some stuff that was worthwhile
1: yeah talking about the about the light and the dark thing i actually ab'd i went back and watched uh the the themiscira sequence which is uh near the beginning of both movies although they're in slightly different order mm. and just the the look was so noticeable like, Themyscira is this bright, sunny island, beautiful, bright blue skies, green grass. And then in, in the Snyder Cut, it's this dim gray place. Yeah, it looked like the fucking everything's washed out.
0: Iron Islands from Game of Thrones. Like, <laughs> just no vegetation, just rocks and dead grass everywhere.
1: It was harsh. Poor Zack Snyder's got plenty of reasons to be feeling dark in his life overall. He's been through some shit. Um, he's been through some business shit as well on this movie. And he... He, he already liked dark movies way before that. So like this was, he he just went, he went straight back into it. This like brought me back to 300.
0: Yeah, you could definitely see that. Especially 300 is a very like, it almost feels black and white. If you just try to mm-hmm. like, like look back on it, very, very muted in color. And that seemed to be the palette he was going for here as well. And uh, another scene where you really notice it, and we're going to jump around guys. This is not going to be as, you know, formatted as our usual episodes, but is um that big end fight was very like bright orange and there's fire everywhere in the, in the Whedon version. And then in this one, it was right back to like that blue kind of muted color. Yeah. He has a vision and he's, he's going to stick to
1: it. It makes you see even more how, you know, the, the, the the story going into this movie was like his wife and Christopher Nolan saw the screening and said, buddy, you can never watch this thing. It's not your movie. It's just going to crush you. And when you see the, how different it just looks just to, just to point your eyes at the screen, you realize how like, yeah, it's definitely not your movie. Like him seeing one frame of that bright blue, sunny green Themyscira would like tell him this is not your movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think the the way this movie is sequenced, it does a lot of favors for the characters who maybe got the short end in the theatrical cut. Like obviously Flash and Cyborg, Barry and Victor mm-hmm. just gets so much more depth in this movie, so much more character development. Because we actually get to, to know them a little bit before they're part of the team, before they're being actively recruited to be part of the team. Yeah. You know, they have their own stories going on. And I think that's really made me enjoy this version more because I think both Ezra Miller and Ray Fisher give really good performances. Yeah. And you could see the bones of it in the in the Whedon cut, but here you really get the whole picture.
1: Absolutely. I mean, he put everything in right away. You you watch this thing and you're like, oh, this this feels better. It's a better movie because it makes more sense. It gives you more... It gives you everything he had in terms of setting up every scene and every motivation and every character and everything, but which is a lot, which leads to a four-hour movie. But but it pays off right away. I mean, I don't know if you had this experience. The first fifteen minutes of the film, I'm like, this is a better movie. Yeah, like, I, this is more engaging, more interesting.
0: I was immediate. I immediately bought in, and I just just to get it out of the way. Yeah, I like this one more than the original version. Just mm-hmm. no bones about it. But I don't know that it's a fair comparison, and because. Characters are definitely going to be better fleshed out and the world's going to feel more lived in when you have four hours to tell your story. Yep. That being said, is there like a two and a half hour version of the Zack Snyder Justice League that would be better than the two hour version we got in 2017? And that's a harder question to answer. For sure. Because this has no theatrical viability. Right. You know, this four hour cut. So it's it, it's a really, it's a tough thing to parse. You know, where do you side? It's, un,
1: it's unfair. It's, it's a little bit unfair to the original to say that like, oh, this one gave you a better reason for everything it's like yeah it took the time Yeah, of course cuz you didn't have, you didn't have to edit things. anything <laughs> like yeah you didn't have to leave anything out and like you you could see there was only a few scenes that i thought were like pure fluff even in the context of this long movie i'm like they just they just they just set up like that final fight like three times with three different sequences i'm like so at some points it got too much but at other points like i really I liked it and partly because i already know the movie and i'm like oh yeah i want to know more about I want to hear more of the cyborg story. I liked how much of the Silas uh, cyborg's dad was brought into it and how that uh, the Star Labs thing connected to the to the Kryptonian ship and all that stuff. There was just a lot more meat on that part.
0: Yeah, doubtlessly, uh, the Barry Allen and Victor uh, storylines come out looking a lot better. And so does Steppenwolf. Um, maybe he doesn't come out looking better, but like the character of steppenwolf is you definitely understand his motivation a lot better as opposed to i just want to destroy this world because you know i'm evil i'm just generically evil yeah now it's like wanting to impress your boss is very relatable content so
1: yeah he had a real story he had a want he had a place where he started and a thing that he wanted and a attempt to get it so yeah he was much more compelling as a character now we should we should jump into his face because that was weird that was different
0: they kind of made him look like he almost looked like a giant Pokemon. Like he had this weird face that was like <laughs> super expressive. Like, I don't know. He, he had like a real sadness on his face at all times. I thought.
1: So he had this in the first one, I had to go back and like refresh myself. What did he look like the first time around? He looked more like a man,
0: much more like a CGI human. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He just had some mottled skin and he had sort of this, instead of a beard, he had this sort of hoof like uh, things coming out of his chin. But in this one, he's a full on bestial demon thing. Yes. Um, he has a big extended chin. He has a huge, the horns are actually part of his head. They're not just uh, horns on his helmet. Um, he has a helmet
0: that fits the horns, which I don't really know how you could maneuver that around the horns to get it to sit on your head right. I'm actually, I'm trying head, to demonstrate this yeah. on video. You guys can't see it, but. Oh yeah, um, you're doing it. I don't have any horns, but you understand what I mean. Like, cause you got to maneuver them in one way. But then you're working against the other horn, and it was very confusing to me. But that's neither here nor there. There's a
1: lot of elastic inside of his armor, so it can stretch it around. Yeah, it was kind of neat the way that his armor kind of tickled and moved and uh, uh, animated as part of his uh, emotional state. But yeah, so he had this demonic, bestial face with this freaky nose and big, sharp teeth, and then he had these big, baby blue eyes. Yeah. (laughs) And there's a scene late in the movie where he sort of like it's one of his dream sequences or something where he, like, he really opens his eyes and, and then catches the camera. And I'm like, whoa, did he have those eyes the whole time? Like- yeah, he looks like fucking Detective Pikachu
0: with his weird, like, <laughs> his big like puppy dog eyes that, you know, he's winning the audience over. I'm like, what are you yeah, trying to do
1: here? Big, glossy puppy eyes filled with tears. It was weird. That was a weird choice. <laughs> yeah. I liked it overall because I, I thought he was a cool, he was kind of a badass demon worth versus just kind of a, a weird tall guy in armor.
0: Yeah, he came off more formidable. Uh, just- partially because the armor looked much more intimidating. And I liked how he had the little scorpion demon robot things that would kind of fly off him. But also um, just the the violence he was able to display because this was, you know, an unrated or R-rated cut. Mm -hmm. The Themyscira scene was like way more brutal in this version than the original. He was just kind of like tossing people around in the original version here. I feel like everything had more of an impact.
1: It was, yeah, you saw it was blood, harsh.
0: like you know, coming out of somebody's head, or the, you know, like it was, it was a little more brutal.
1: It was a little more brutal, and it was also emotionally more involving because they they showed a little more of the story of the queen and the and the queen's um, choice to seal up the chamber is has consequences because the chamber falls off the cliff yeah. into the ocean with, with like forty of her ladies in there,
0: and then he calls Wonder Woman out on it later. That was an emotional moment where he, he tells her that he killed, you know, so many of her sisters. Yeah. That was sad. And you kind of felt her rage. And uh, so Steppenwolf overall, big upgrade. but And this is not Steppenwolf's fault. The character, this is more of a writing and editing issue ahead is like when he's talking to Dasad, who is the, I guess, herald of uh, Darkseid. Okay. Or Thanos, as I call him. Right. But then, uh, so he, they start talking after he gets the first mother box and- Steppenwolf's like, yeah, the parademons are seeking the other two. They have taken prisoners that carry the scent of the mother box and decides, like, okay. And then after Steppenwolf gets a second box, he's like, the parademons are seeking the other ones. They have taken prisoners that carry the scent of the other mother box. It's like, I think an editor could have, like, whittled these two scenes down into one. Like, we get the idea. Also, like, the B plot of this movie is that the plane won't fly. Like, how many scenes did we get about the plane not flying? Oh, yeah. That really is like the secondary storyline. It just seems like Zack Snyder's not an editor. You know, he's a director. And that didn't even hit
1: me. But now that you say that, it's crazy how much time they spent on. Oh, how are you, are you making progress on the plane? I don't, I don't know. I'm making sparks on the plane. And then the cyborg throws in the It'll once it'll fly when I talk to it.
0: It literally was like a whole B plot to this movie. And then the C plot is Lois Lane gets coffee. Like how many cups of coffee does she drink in this movie? <laughs> and this is just why like this movie didn't need to be four hours. It, just, it felt like no. Zack Snyder was kind of sticking up a middle finger in a sense. Like, yeah, fuck you. I'm going to make my four hour movie. But this could have been a tight 315 and you probably wouldn't have lost too much. That sounds about right.
1: But I mean, it was kind of. This was his chance, right? Not that many directors get that chance to, like, make the unabridged, the truly unabridged version.
0: Yeah, and this this recent after the movie's release is also rare, too, because, like... Yeah. You know, it it happens with movies like Once Upon a Time in America, like the Sergio Leone movie that was whittled down to 90 minutes, and it was really four-hour epic. Uh But that happened, you know, decades later, where we got that that definitive version, or uh, Blade Runner, you know, has been recut time and again but it's taken decades to find a version that ridley scott is happy with this was just you know a couple years later so he it seemed like there was still like a little bit of fresh bitterness on his end to really like stick it to warner brothers yeah
1: i mean it makes it more more interesting if this movie came out 10 years from now would we have the the gusto to sit through four hours of it part of the draw is that like is the story behind the story
0: yeah and and i think just the the rabid fan base would have given up you know long ago and without all those people calling for it on twitter i don't know that they would have been willing to throw 70 million dollars at it no but it seems like everyone i know has watched this or at least part of it and they're planning to finish it so it seems like 70 million dollars well spent this is so much free advertising for hbo that
1: it's great for hbo it's great for dc to the extent that they're still making dc movies i don't even know the story on what's what's in the works but
0: well we're definitely getting aquaman too. uh we're definitely getting flash uh we're definitely getting a third wonder woman patty jenkins agreed to do that the batman seems to be its own thing the matt reeves robert pattinson right. batman i don't think that really has right. anything to do with the rest of these guys i think that's all i i can oh shazam 2 is definitely happening so that's all i know of for sure that that's in the pipeline for them I don't know if this gets such a positive response. Zack Snyder clearly had some interesting ideas for where to take these characters, and I'd kind of, I'd be willing to hear him out at least, and and, you know, yeah, go to the movies and check it out.
1: I mean, I would watch. He sets up all kind of stuff. We can get to that when we get towards the end of the of the film. Talk about some of those scenes, but he sets up a lot. There's certainly a lot of interesting, open ended stuff that I would I would watch. What happens?
0: Yeah, and. I mean, we're kind of jumping around here, but so we, we've talked a lot about what we like. Uh, is there anything that was kind of changed or added or taken away that you disliked from the original version? Anything you prefer? Twenty Seventeen Justice League for?
1: That's a good question. If there was something I was going to complain about, it was it was going to be the uh, the new songs that he added in the little musical sequences.
0: Oh, that, that's uh-huh. I have the same thing written. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's my main gripe. Is the score is a downgrade? I think from the Danny Elfman one, the the Junkie XL score didn't didn't do it for me quite as much.
1: Yeah, I was wondering actually because I w- I watched uh, I noticed in the credits that. There's a whole bunch of uh, Hans Zimmer uh, tracks credited in the in the music credits at the very end. Yeah, so I, um, I think
0: where that comes from is is Junkie XL collaborated with Hans Zimmer for Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice. I'm, I'm pretty sure.
1: Oh, so I
0: think anytime he wanted to reuse or like uh, remix themes from those movies, Hans Zimmer gets a credit. Like I don't think he was actually in the studio for the writing of these songs, but if he wanted to use elements of those
1: songs from the previous movies, he had to give him credit. I see. That makes sense. Yeah, I was, I was happy. I was actually the, for the straight soundtrack stuff, I thought it was fine. It was not obtrusive in the way that some of the mini stuff sort of, sort of poked out and bugged me, but the, but the songs.
0: Oh, you mean like his like alt rock indie rock songs, like when Aquaman's getting into the water and Nick Cave starts playing or whatever?
1: It's the Nick Cave stuff. (laughs) Yeah. There's this lyric, there is a king and he is everything. And it's.
0: Yeah. I was like waiting for like a Leonard Cohen song to start playing over, like, you know, the big battle scene at the end, but. We were yeah
1: it's the equivalent it's the equivalent it's like he couldn't he couldn't use hallelujah again in the middle of the movie but he but he does at the end right uh, in the credits
0: yeah was it i i had to turn him off i've you know the kids were uh were, were pulling at me but <laughs> they
1: wouldn't they wouldn't let you watch the entire no. uh, black screen credits was it of was a, it
0: the jeff buckley version or was it the uh leonard cohen version
1: so when i heard it it's the first three minutes of it are solo piano
0: Oh, okay. and I'm like,
1: oh, they got the guy from the Nordstrom escalator to do a version of Leonard Cohen's <laughs> no, dude, "Hallelujah." It's the, it's the
0: Westworld old timey uh, piano player from from the Westworld <laughs> TV show doing like fake plastic trees on the piano.
1: But then apparently it was an artist named Allison Crow, no offense to you Allison, I don't know her, but she starts singing about halfway through it and then sings the whole thing.
0: Oh, okay. I'll check that out. I'll see if it's on the soundtrack or something. I, I yeah. mean, I'm a sucker for Hallelujah. I think it's even though it's like a meme now, I think it's still a great it's, song, obviously. So Yeah.
1: It's gotten it's gotten a lot of mileage. So you didn't think the, the Wonder point.
0: Woman theme was uh distracting like every time an Amazon is on screen,
1: they have the little <laughs> i did i did i was like especially at the end because it happens it happens like three times in a row in the final fight where she keeps and it and one of them is a dramatic entrance where it's like oh wonder woman is now on the scene and so like it's the wonder woman um theme song lady singing but then it's just like it cuts around and it comes back and we already knew she was there but she like jumps into frame again and the songs and the, the lady sings again it's like okay yeah we know it's her it's her thing
0: I saw somebody, I think on Reddit, uh, comparing it to the community episodes where Abed is like a prophet. And every time he comes on screen, there's like a chanting Abed's Abed voice. But uh, (laughs) I mean, you're more of a sound engineer than I am. But I feel like that problem specifically could have been curtailed if like the soundtrack was mixed lower. I felt like it was mixed high at times. Am I wrong or?
1: Yeah, no, that could have been handled more subtly, all different kind of ways. I mean, you could you could imagine that they could have yeah, just mixed it lower, mixed that one voice lower in the overall theme um, and just made it a little more subtle. It was really hits you over the head.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was a lot. Other things I, I liked more in 2017. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of Mira's accent in this movie or her uh her character in general
1: oh yeah i was trying to figure out was that she was she was british the first time and now she had some other thing going on
0: it's like kind of australian i don't know maybe like I, it was hard to hard to pin down but in the aquaman movie that's that's completely gone so clearly like james wan was just like no we're not doing this <laughs> you know you don't have the accent chops to pull this off convincingly so just talk in your regular voice and I think that was the right way to go.
1: She didn't have that many lines in the in the first one. I guess maybe the, it put more of her stress on her.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that... I think I think everyone at the end came back to film new stuff. So some of that was added after the fact. So like Zack Snyder okay. s- decided still to stick with that accent. We'll, we'll get into that when we get to the end.
1: <laughs> yeah. The other thing we talked about, the... Uh, the idea of seeing seeing boxes painted on walls as the as the foreshadowing of the the scary horror to come of the mother boxes. Yep. And this time they they took off the most basic ones, the the, the, sc- the scrawled versions, and they gave Diana the chance to visit a hidden tomb where there's a really really nice gold leaf boxes surrounded with some mosaic. It felt so it felt what, guess, a little more
0: appropriate. Upgrade. Yeah, it felt a little more appropriate. Still still kind of silly. The mother boxes in general are still a silly plot device. Um, but you know, they're DC lore. I understand why they're included. It's part of the part of the real story of the new gods and the old gods that was written back in the seventies or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there but you know, the term mother box is just uncomfortable. And at one it's, point Steppenwolf is like sticking his finger in it, so he's fingering the mother box, and <laughs> that's a sentence that was uncomfortable for me to say, and I'm sure it was uncomfortable for you to listen to.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely.
0: But I felt like it had to be called out. Like at what point is this intentional, like Innuendo. <laughs> At what point is this? Just you know, cluelessness. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it was weird. They just they went and they went for it. Sure did. Speaking of the history, so they there was a version of this in the first film, but they blew up. First Steppenwolf starts doing his own exposition. Right, he does a lot more of his own backstory as he sort of tells it, and then. Diana jumps in, does a full like Galadriel hold my beer and she does a 10 minute Lord of the Rings history of the world sequence.
0: Kind of cool to see all the all the other DC heroes, you know, jumping in and uh, or DC villains even, some villains teamed up to fight Darkseid. Right. So that was that was a pretty cool sequence I thought.
1: And I felt like he was he was intentionally like doing a Lord of the Rings thing. I don't know if that's real or that's me projecting on Zach.
0: I couldn't say, but you know, if you're going to ape from a movie, you could do a lot worse than than Lord of the Rings. That's true. Yeah, especially if you're trying to do an epic battle scene, they kind of perfected that whole thing. Yeah, for so, sure. That was a good addition. I, I liked the addition of Darkseid as as more of a character and less of just a an ominous kind of threat that was thrown out there. I thought it helped. It, it certainly helped give Steppenwolf some some motivation, but also just if you are setting this up to be an ongoing kind of saga, you need that that big bad, and yeah, and it, he fits the bill pretty well
1: yeah he's he's cool he has the coolness that like Wolf, is scary but not cool but Darkseid has the scary you know top boss badassness that that helps give weight to it and he comes in at the end and we'll talk about it when we get to talking about the the end scene there's there's a new twist where he steps in and and really pulls the rug on where you th- where you think the heroes are gonna are going to win the day?
0: Yeah, I mean, let's let's get into it. Uh, we're just kind of jumping around, so let's, okay. let's talk about that end sequence. What would you think?
1: I was excited because something new was happening that, like, like I hadn't seen. Like, overall, the end sequence has kind of a like it hits the same beats in the early stages, right? Bruce Bruce blows up the dome and then leads the leads the creeps away on his sort of suicidal uh, distraction mission. Tells them don't come don't come help him, and then they do. And like Snyder's version was different from Whedon's version, but not meaningfully to me like the stakes were still kind of squishy and it was just like a different edit and different look and feel Yeah, he
0: removed that russian family which i was a fan of um i was a fan of removing the russian family to be clear right. i was not a fan of that whole subplot yeah taking that out uh it was not missed at all no me i didn't miss i that. thought that was, that was just fluff superman in this movie uh let's talk about superman because you know he's key to the ending here yeah was he buried in a pet cemetery like what the fuck is wrong with him in this movie <laughs> He's so mean. Even when he's like awake and regular Superman again, like he basically tortured Stephen Wolf at the end there.
1: Yeah, he was pretty bad. But I guess that's just, the, that's just a Snyder man. That's, um, I
0: don't know. It's still a little jarring for me personally to see Superman acting like that.
1: You think he was too harsh? Just like lasering
0: off one of his horns, you know, like when you have him uh, down. I, <laughs> it was a cool moment, but like not for him. It cool not from superman like that's that's some other you no know, let cyborg do that or something he's got lasers
1: i hear you i think i for me it was balanced because on the other hand they actually he handled the the humanizing part better like Whedon left fairly like a weird blank part where like you know he fl- he flies out of metropolis back to uh smallville or wherever he lives i don't know what that is and then he kind of gets his memory back but it's not it felt kind of stilted and not right but here like i felt like snyder had more scenes and more lines actually wrote he goes he's like looking out the window and he goes my mom loved it here so did i like yeah and he was like oh it was like an actual moment where you like feel him getting his memory back that wasn't in the first version was it i don't believe so no that
0: did not seem familiar to me that felt like new material
1: yeah and then
0: uh, yeah i I like those scenes a lot i think snyder writes superman well except when he makes him like a little too bloodthirsty
1: yeah that's fair that's fair but yeah they had another nice line when when martha shows up and he's like i'm really me ma so it was like uh going into that scene i felt much warmer towards superman and so i guess maybe that's why i excused him when he he chose the all black outfit and to just become a a vicious asshole in the final fight
0: well yeah as a comic nerd i was happy to see the all black superman outfit because that That came from the Death of Superman storyline that they kind of pulled from for Dawn of Justice. Oh, okay. When he comes back to life, it is in the black suit. So uh, that was was more of a course correction than like a change, I would say, because that was clearly always his intention and Wheaton or, you know, Warner Brothers, whoever kind of called an audible and, and changes on him at the last minute.
1: Yeah. I didn't know the story behind it, but I thought it looked kind of badass. Yeah, And it's then cool in, in that scene, he's picking out the the outfits and he hears the voices of his two father figures. And I know one of them was Kevin Costner, but was the other one Marlon Brando or Russell Crowe? Oh, that was Russell Crowe. Yeah, of course. Now, now I can picture Russell. Russell as old Jor-El. Jor-El.
0: Yeah. He was a good jor I mean, I'm I'm I like Russell Crowe though. I'm a fan of his. Uh, I'm always happy to get him in a movie even if it's just his voice.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too.
0: But I like, I like that. I like that homage. And then uh, it was Superman is a tough, tough person to have in a movie like this, because I, I almost like that they leaned into it like one Superman's back and on our side, like it's not even going to be a problem. Like all we have to do is get him to team up with us. And like, this won't be a, a battle anymore. Like he'll just end it for us. Right. So all the tension just comes from, is he going to join the fight? And I think that's a fun way to kind of approach Superman because he's so strong that anything else feels like plot device. Like when they had Captain Marvel away for all of Avengers Endgame, that felt like we just can't have this character in the story right now because she's too powerful. So we need to like, uh-huh. so kind of making him an ambiguous person about where he's going to land if he even cares about this fight right now. Was kind of the only really smart way to bring him back, but not have him immediately save the day and, and make the movie, you know, have no tension. Yeah,
1: that that scene, right? So Superman's back. He says his uh, his famous catchphrase, not impressed, <laughs> which I'm not sure if he's ever said those two words before, but no, they could have maybe come up with a better like funny action hero line for him. That being said, then he starts kicking ass up and down the place. And the combination of Dark Side coming in as the double big baddie and Barry just kind of accidentally getting fucked up at the last minute and un- unable to, like, close the loop on the giant spark. That was fun for me, right? That was the point where I'm like, oh, wait, I don't know what's going to happen. I thought this is the point where they just pull the boxes apart and the and the show's over.
0: Right. No, they, they gave that some extra tension. Uh, that was a really cool sequence with Barry when he runs so fast, he... Is he able to turn back time. I thought that was really, it was visualized interestingly. Uh, it it, yeah. was, it was different and just a cool plot device. But just the 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 big battles in this movie went on a little too long. I think I just get superhero battle fatigue from a lot of these movies.
1: Yeah, no, I hear that.
0: But that resolution was pretty cool, and uh, I was a fan of that. And and kind of how he got a glimpse into the. Uh, the, the the what could have been if he didn't turn back time that was really interesting
1: and uh, yeah that seeing Superman's uh, flesh come back onto his skeleton was like kind of like a, a cool whoa moment I mean Snyder's so good at those at choreographing those slow mo slow mo you say yeah. was
0: there a lot of it in this movie there was a little bit <laughs> if you take out the slow mo this movie's two and a half hours like <laughs> I mean that that's an
1: easy way to speed this up there was so much slow mo they had to like go to another level of slow mo where Flash started moving in slow mo. To show that he was in double fast mode. Right. Like it was, yeah, <laughs> there were layers of slow-mo.
0: Double slow-mo mode, which is just, <laughs> yeah, it's not the most Zack snyder sentence I've ever heard.
1: But he's good at it. Like, I don't no, know, is anybody is. else that good at like choreographing those visuals of pivoting around and sort of t- visual storytelling where you, there's an action moment and you sort of revealing these parts of it piece by piece as the camera pivots in slow-mo, They're, they work for me.
0: Those kind of um, like slow-mo to, to sped up, fight sequences. He kind of started with 300. I mean, that's a really cool little visual trick he he does. And I think you can argue that he's overused it and it's kind of become a little bit of a a running joke now, but still he Mm -hmm. has a good eye for that. He's a good action director. Yeah, Uh, Certainly better than someone like Michael Bay. I feel like Snyder's action is always, you always know where the characters are. Everything has like a physical weight to it. Mm -hmm. You can follow. It's not too frenetic where it just looks like.
1: Just, yeah, fast cuts. CGI bodies, like, yeah. Yeah, to hide the hide the chaos. No, and C-
0: CGI in this movie, I thought was pretty good uh, overall.
1: Yeah. There was only, there was like one scene where Wonder Woman is flipping over in super slow-mo where she looked like a, a puppet for a second. But like, yeah, overall, I was, I was pleased with the look of it.
0: Yeah, I'd say the CGI overall was actually better than Wonder Woman 1984, a movie that was filmed, you know, much more recently. Mm, okay. And... Uh, did you see 1984 yet? No, it's good. It has it has good good parts, but um, overall, much worse than the first Wonder Woman.
1: So then we go from yeah, the last the sort of culmination of the um, defeating the, the the mother boxes, or rather the unity because they've already been nearly synchronized, is with another Victor Dream sequence. And we didn't we haven't talked we talked about how how much more Victor Cyborg how much more of a role he has, but a lot of his role is him in a dream sequence in an under armor letterman jacket which is an interesting choice. What did you think about that? It was something.
0: Uh I thought it was it was mostly good. I thought those scenes mostly worked. The dream sequence was a plot device again I feel like Snyder overuses. Uh, so its impact can be can be lessened over time. I didn't hate it. Uh I was any I got to see more Victor Ray Fisher in this movie I thought it was a plus. So I still file those into the positive category, and it was interesting seeing yeah. the mother box trying to like lure him into betraying his friends or his new friends or whatever. Uh, it was, right, you know, kind of kind of a tropey psychological trick, but it's a trope for a reason. It works, yeah, and uh, I didn't mind it.
1: He had a nice little final line there where he's like, "I'm not broken and I'm not alone, not alone," um, which was nice, and it was better than Joss Whedon's choice for his final line, which I believe was "Booya."
0: Booyah, which is too... I hate to come to Joss Whedon's defense because he is, you know, allegedly, allegedly. a real real dickhead. Mm-hmm. But that is Cyborg's line from the comic books. Oh, okay. So, well,
1: Then I can't blame Joss.
0: I was shocked to notice the Aquaman, uh, my man line to Cyborg was a Zack Snyder line and not a Joss Whedon line. It felt very weird oh, yeah. to me, but no, it was still in this movie.
1: There were a few big jo- jokes that I was really glad were still the, were the, there was the... um what's your superpower? I'm rich. Like that. That's a good one. Solid. I did another laugh out loud, even though I knew it was coming. And then there was one more good joke. What was it? Um, Diana's 5,000 years old. Every, every, (laughs) every, every man
0: is younger. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Is a younger man to her. Like that was good.
0: So, so Whedon and Snyder clearly have very different approaches to humor. Snyder doesn't put many jokes into this movie, but the ones he did all landed for me. Whereas Whedon seems to throw a million jokes at you and, you know, some of them are going to land and some aren't. And he just, he's okay with that. He just wants to keep the quips coming no matter the cost. So I tend to favor Snyder's version because like Barry in this movie wasn't as grating as he could come off in the 2017 version, but he was still funny. Like he didn't remove all the humor from it in the way you might have expected Zack Snyder to. Right. It still had its moments, but yeah, it was just less manic, I feel like, than, than Whedon.
1: Well, he had that whole fun first intro scene. That we didn't talk about. That was actually, speaking of slow mo action scenes, that was a comedy character introduction slow-mo action scene.
0: Oh, with the so car crash, yeah.
1: Plucks a hot dog out of the air for no reason that you can understand until a minute later when he feeds it to the dog.
0: So he clearly wasn't worried that he wasn't going to have enough time to save this woman because he still manages to think like, oh, maybe this hot dog will help me get a job in you know like a minute or two. Let me just steal it right now. Yeah. <laughs>
1: No, he was so chill. I mean, that's the thing. For a guy that's kind of hyper, he wasn't. As, he wasn't as scared a character in the Snyder cut as he was in the Whedon cut. He had more more confidence and less fewer issues to deal with. But like, he's still kind of kind of high strung. But except in the scene where he's the chillest dude ever. Like he's just <laughs> settling this beautiful young lady out of this absolutely catastrophic car crash, and he's just as chill as can be.
0: I thought his um. I don't want to say fear in the 2017 version was good, but I did kind of like how he was a more reluctant hero in the 2017 version. Yes. Where they're going into the big first fight with Steppenwolf to try to save the hostages, and Batman gives him that line about, you know, just save one person.
1: Yeah, I thought that was a good thing.
0: I actually, I actually liked that, yeah, that whole interaction, and, and I thought it was kind of missed in this one where he just kind of leaps into being a superhero right away. Uh, I liked the gradual introduction that not everyone can just you know immediately take to it like that. Yeah,
1: I, don't know, I thought that made for like a nice little character arc for for Flash in the in the first version where he went from being too scared to jump into things to being being heroic. Even though it was it was a little bit corny, but like yeah, they, that was just kind of not there in this one.
0: I'm okay with a little corniness in superhero movies once in a while. You know, these don't all have to be the most serious, grim affairs of all time. Yeah, so I, I thought that was. A nice little character moment that we didn't get in this one, but overall, I'd say, yeah, The Flash is an upgrade in this movie, and I, I think most people are agreeing with that so far. Yeah. So let's get into the uh, the epilogue, right? You want to talk about the epilogue?
1: That's what I was going to say. There's a... Well, the
0: epilogue is interesting. The nightmare scenario. Night with a K, because it's the dark night.
1: Yeah. Um, did that work for you? Did it... Just to skip to the skip to the chase.
0: So... That's not like a hypothetical, right? In the, in this version of the movie, that's where this all ends up. Am I right? Am I reading that correctly?
1: I don't know. It's still a dream, right? Oh,
0: because he does. Yeah, he does wake up when he meets Marshall. He does Manhunter. wake up at the end. Yeah. I thought. Um. I have. I have some complicated thoughts on this. I think it. It's not. Again, like for someone who just said, that I thought Snyder's version of Superman was a little too brutal, a little too violent. This scenario where he is basically the supervillain to end all supervillains of the world feels like a departure for the character to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you agree. Um, I thought it was a nice twist, like a little surprise when, you know, they're all referring to like, oh, he's going to find us or we got to be careful or he's going to come. And you don't know who they're, you think maybe they're talking about Dark Side, and then it ends up being Superman, which I thought was kind of cool.
1: It would have been cool. Somehow I felt like it was too telegraphed. Like I'm like, because of what they said about Lois dying Oh, letting her and, die, yeah. Yeah, it was like, wait a minute. It's clearly, it's clear that to me, I felt, and maybe I just made a big assumption that not everybody would make. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Superman's the bad guy. I guess I kind of knew Superman was the bad guy because I'd seen the other version of the stream in the other cut, so maybe that's an unfair advantage I had. Um, but I felt like, yeah, they and they really drew it out. Like Joker just keeps on, between Batman and Joker, they keep on, Yammering and just giving you all this backstory, which is something you do if you're setting up a scene where you're going to show action, but there's actually no action in the scene. There's one action. Superman flies in at the end, but like other than that, they're just sort of like doing this really drawn out thing. And I was like, oh, this is not, it didn't pay off for me.
0: Yeah. And aside from setting up action in this movie, that whole sequence seems to be setting up, you know, future movies. And this is all new footage that uh, Snyder filmed. Okay. Recently, I think October, they filmed this whole sequence. Uh, okay. So like, if, if you're all done with this universe, it feels a little mean to like tease fans with this. And then, you know, you have no intention of paying it off. And I don't know for sure that there's no intention of paying this off. Right. But I, I got the feeling like a lot of these people are done playing these characters now. So it was just a favor to Zack Snyder. They all agreed to come back and do this or what? I don't know. But I mean, let's talk about the Joker. I mean that that's the big the big twist everyone, you know, it was spoiled in the trailer, obviously, but right. Jared Leto coming back doing another another Joker performance, very different from his first one.
1: Yeah. It's I wanted it to I had high hopes for this scene because my favorite part of the Dawn the wooden cut was the apocalypse scene, although it was a totally different piece of piece of story, but like I love the vibe a bit. And I'm like, oh now in this one it's gonna have Joker in it and he's gonna obviously it's Jared Leto. He's going to go over the top with it, but like, he seemed like he was just trying to milk something out of his lines, but he just really didn't have much. And he starts with that terrible joke. Speaking of like, we loved, we loved Snyder's sense of humor. All of a sudden there's a reach around joke.
0: The reach around joke did not land. I will grant you that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't even a joke. I'm like, what, what are you doing? What? (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to
0: give Zack Snyder the benefit of the doubt and say that, Jared Leto ad-libbed that one. Uh, <laughs>
1: okay, we can pin it on. This here. is my
0: headcanon, you know, this is not confirmed anywhere obviously, but I'm sure. just I'm just going with it. Um I thought that Lido kind of worked in it. It kind of worked for me. Okay. I thought he he struck his own his own way with the character that it's easy to kind of do the ledger or phoenix route where he's mostly like a very scary serious person, but you know, he he tells jokes. So therefore he's the Joker, but really like this is the first funny Joker, or at least like a Joker who's trying to be funny. Mm -hmm. We've seen in a long time outside of like, you know, the video games or or animated series like the last, right? we haven't had a funny live action Joker since Nicholson. I mean, there were scenes that you laughed about uh, in Ledger's movie, but overall I thought he kind of found a nice middle ground between still... Being capable of extreme violence, obviously, from the lines about murdering Robin that were clearly, you know, Mm -hmm. intended to get a rise out of Batman, but still being like a little goofier than the last couple live action iterations of the character we've seen. Mm -hmm. So the the reach around line for sure didn't land. But I thought the character itself, that could have been a fun direction to go with it if he ever got to play it again, which I don't know that he will. I think this is probably his swan song as the Joker.
1: I'm glad you got more out of it than I did because I... it might have been just a case of with all these things. Like I, I raised my expectation level just one notch too high, and, the, and that scene like didn't didn't really thrill me.
0: I think we just we went into it with different uh, different expectations for sure, because mine were kind of in the in the dumps when I when I got to that yeah. scene. I didn't. I really disliked his his Joker and Suicide Squad, so I wasn't thrilled to see him play in the character again. Okay. And then I was more pleasantly surprised than anything else, I guess is the way to put it. But the We Live in a Society line never came out.
1: Oh yeah, what the heck, man?
0: That was a uh, that that was definitely a Jared Leto ad lib I found out from reading a, a Zack Snyder interview. Oh. That was tacked on by him. I don't even know if Zack Snyder was aware of like the meme ability of that phrase, but you know jared leto definitely snuck it in
1: well at least we got it in a trailer yeah. we might have never e- seen it
0: now what do you make of this martian manhunter situation
1: oh i was just gonna ask you what's the heck is like i as usual i don't know the dc uh story behind it I, I, I could pick up enough context clues that this guy was and i'd heard his name before and i knew he was somebody important and he turns out to be a pivotal character in the movie but his the way he introduces himself at the end was like
0: felt very tacked on to me. Uh yeah, that end scene. Yeah. I thought if you had left it like a, as the little teaser we got from his scene with Lois, that would have been one thing. But then coming out and introducing himself to Batman at the end. Now he in the comics, he is a member of the Justice League. He's there's seven members, seven core members, and he's one of them. Okay. And he is like a Superman level, powerful guy. Like that's okay. He's like, you know, a game changing type hero. He can do a lot. I can't name his specific powers because i was never that into dc but i know he's one of like the stronger heroes they have okay so that feels like a fun little teaser but again where is this all going is, is isn't this franchise kind of done right <laughs> like i thought i thought we were moving on from this and now like are these actors going to be in these roles again i feel like we're teasing stuff that's never going to pay off and that's a little annoying
1: it got into like what is what is zack snyder doing here is he just is he actually opening the doors on things? Or is he just rubbing in everyone's faces like, this is all the shit that could have happened if you fuckers didn't fuck up everything. Yeah, that's it's kind of what it oh. feels
0: like, right? It feels like a middle finger. It's <laughs> like, look at all this cool shit I was going to do that now you're not going to get to see. Not to the fans. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. No. But to the studio and to Joss Whedon, maybe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and the, yeah, the Martian Manhunter, like first he drops all these hints. I'm somebody important. And then- when the scene is over, he turns around and goes, oh, and some call me the Martian Manhunter. Also, <laughs> that was
0: so- Bruce Wayne doesn't fucking know you, man. Like, he's not privy to all these decades of comic book lore. The name Martian Manhunter <laughs> is a pretty fucking threatening sounding name.
1: <laughs> yeah. If
0: you're like, hey, I'm super powerful. By the way, my name's Martian Manhunter because I'm a Martian. But don't worry, I don't hunt men. Not usually. And then you fly away. <laughs> like batman's gonna be, <laughs> yeah. we gotta kill
1: that guy Like <laughs> he's clearly planning something what kind of bullshit is this i know he could have used one of if he's got a lot of names which he hinted that he's gone he could have given him a more friendly name i don't
0: know the pronunciation but i feel his his real name is john johns it's like J O J apostrophe o n n n and then j apostrophe o n n n z that's like his real name
1: okay why not say that well <laughs> I could see maybe, maybe he didn't want to stick around long enough to explain that. You
0: need to spell that. He could have here. said,
1: <laughs> he could have just said, here's my card.
0: I might be inserting the, like, I might just be inserting the apostrophes. Uh, I don't know. I could be making that up, but it's John Johns. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. It it's right. one of those things I've only ever read in a comic book and never heard said out loud. I know.
1: How, how are you supposed to know? <laughs> I can't know.
0: There's no way. But yeah, Martian Manhunter is not a great thing to sell someone your, your name is if you're hinting that you're super powerful. And also, they just faced an alien threat. Like, yeah. I
1: don't
0: know. It feels a little uh, little misguided.
1: At least we can be thankful that uh, Snyder pulled those scenes forward and didn't put them in the middle and the end of the credits. Like, he just said, oh, all right, I'm just going to show you all the extra scenes. Yeah, no stingers. Uh, right no here.
0: stingers. I was a fan of that. I'm sick yeah. of the stingers. Enough of this shit.
1: But actually, the only reason I knew there was no stingers is because I watched the whole damn credits anyway. <laughs> so,
0: you have to now. I had to watch it. I watched. I watched Minari the other night and I was like, Oh, I'm gonna stay to the end. Maybe they'll <laughs> I don't wanna spoil Minari. But I was about to drop a spoiler. But
1: yeah, no, I don't no. spoil. It's a really good movie though. The, you guys should watch it. The Minari Manhunter shows up the at the, at the end of They it. call me Minari Manhunter. <laughs> Yeah, so at least he, he he gave us that. I stayed to the end and read the music credits because I was like, I had to figure out what those weird songs were. But
0: Yeah, I think those were mostly Junkie XL uh, creations, which, you know, who knew? A guy from Junkie XL would have a little bit different sensibilities than Danny Elfman, but that was a sarcastic question. It's very obvious that they would have different sensibilities. Oh, okay.
1: I was just grateful not to have any old-school Danny Elfman Batman themes. They just take me back to a, just a weird place of garish costumes and sets and like i just get uncomfortable Poor Michael with the Keaton not being able to turn his head they still haven't solved that problem they said that they did you no know, they
0: did in the bail one i thought i thought bail could turn his head could he i don't know they, it was a plot point uh in the second one i think where he made morgan freeman design him a new cowl because he was like oh you want to turn your head he's like yeah
1: i know i saw that line i thought well, i was thinking that was an alfred line but it was a morgan freeman but yeah Lucius fox but but i still don't see it happening like they always still always look stiff and they Rotate their whole torso back and forth. It just—it
0: doesn't look like a comfortable costume. I would not want to be wearing that thing for hours at a time. No, thank you. Give me Wonder Woman's costume. You know, something a little more, a little less uh, restrictive, a little more freeing and then you can really like deliver yeah. some
1: roundhouse kicks that'd be fun we'll post pictures when you get into that costume because yeah. people are going to want to see that maybe halloween Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. So, ah, so final thoughts on this movie you what is your what is your takeaway and your a b because you know we we ended up sort of both liking the first one but um did this change things
0: i liked the first one to a surprising degree uh surprising to me only because i had very low expectations going into it but it did feel like a little bit of a frankenstein monster of a movie like just The tone was way off in some scenes because you're dealing with two super different directors. So it was really nice to just watch a movie that was somebody's unedited vision. And Mm -hmm. that's a rare thing. It's it's rare to see a four hour movie out there for obvious reasons. You know, it's just not a viable business model. But as a once in a while treat, you know, I didn't mind it because it, it it fixed a lot of the problems I had with the original. Uh it is not a perfect movie by any means. I am not here saying it's gonna get you know, a best picture Oscar, but a definite improvement. And I think it should be looked at as a victory for Zack Snyder. People seem to be responding to it pretty well. And I would say like, if I gave the original three stars, I'd give this one three and a half stars and drop the original down to two and a half, like in retrospect. Yeah. Kind of seeing that, seeing where Snyder wanted to go with it and where the original ended up going It makes me dislike the original a little more, if that makes sense. That
1: makes perfect sense because that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like my expectations were low on the original and I'm like, oh yeah, they didn't take you anywhere emotionally, but they lined up the things and they executed them all and there was flashy action. And this one raised the bar. Now I felt like it didn't even, so it made the first movie look worse in comparison. So Zack Snyder raised the bar. He did not necessarily get over the bar, to where he had raised it, because there's certainly places where I felt like it, it started to sag and it just didn't didn't work all the way through. But I was so much more pleased to have a film that actually tried to give everybody a motivation, have emotional stakes, have some real drama in it. Um, so it was just much more rewarding. And yeah, the other one now looks like, oh, it, it was I guess it was still a movie, but it didn't do any of that interesting stuff that this one did. So I like this one a lot more
0: yeah i think i think i'd much rather watch a movie that aims high and falls a little short than something that aims for the middle and hits it you know and this was definitely a movie that was aiming high and maybe fell a little bit short but yeah it had real ambition behind it and it was really trying to say something which i'll always uh respect that
1: well we look forward to seeing what uh what zach does next
0: yeah army of the dead uh that's the next thing i'll, I'll be watching it i'll definitely yeah, give it for a look. Yeah, sure. And. uh So that should wrap up this bonus episode, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Let me play us out with a little
0: music. Thank you, guys. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Shoot us a DM on Twitter if you have any questions or suggestions. And uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday like we always do.
1: See you next time in the Blast Zone. The Blast Blast Zone. Zone.